Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the AEW Rampage Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Hamplett from What Culture, to review anything that happened on Friday night's episode of Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, oh! We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. But as I said, joined by Michael Hamlet to review AEW Rampage. Thankfully, back to just one hour again this week. Uh, a fantastic final half an hour. And let's be honest, a bit of an iffy first half. Yeah, it was all right, this, wasn't it? But that's, that's the problem. Um, it continues to not be as thrilling as we would like. It continues not to capture that um, energy of not even the great dynamites, just the really, really good ones. Look, the main event of this rampage was tr- like truly tremendous. I think I've been the low guy in general on, I mean, everybody's been the low guy on Andrade, but I wasn't like doing backflips or anything over pack Andrade one. I thought it was very, very good. And in fact, on the preview, we talked about almost like the curse of mm. the non-spoiler review, which is to say that almost every week we're kind of given this tease that, a taped AEW match is just going to knock our socks off. And then it kind of, like, it's good, but it sort of fails to live up to these those expectations. This, to me, felt like the best. I think this was probably the best Rampage match since Omega Christian, um, mm. which would have been an episode one, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Was that an episode yes. one? Or it was, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. match on the first one, yeah. All of them have, like, for me, have slightly fell below the standards expected from the, the spoiler-free reviews. Um, but this was really, really good. And even then, there was an element of the match, stuff that came at the end, that I wasn't huge on. And it sort of, I don't know, brought down my overall opinion and perception of the show. I don't think this was a tremendous rampage. And I am, they're so watchable. It's an hour. Like, I know this is only supposed to be the summary. I do apologize. It's only an hour. So you feel almost spoiled compared to all the other wrestling that always feels like it goes a little bit too long. And because it's an hour, it's very easy to come away and think, you know, that was fairly breezy. I've not had a bad time. It didn't feel like it's taken up loads of my my free time or whatever. It's very easy to sort of lock into and then drop out of. But I just still don't think they've really mastered no. the episode. Just still. Uh, the, the, 
I don't know. I just feel like the whole sales pitch of an hour's wrestling from the hot wrestling company is that it should be bang, bang, bang and out of there. And I still don't feel like they're quite getting it. No, I agree. And I think every match on this show, even that sensational, as you say, main event, they were all tainted one way or another. But we'll get into it and we'll get through it as we as we review this show. The opening uh, match was Powerhouse Hobbs versus Orange Cassidy. See who goes forward to face either John Moxley or 10 in the AEW uh, World Title Eliminator Tournament. Uh, they had a nice callback to when they last faced each other and uh, Orange Cassidy beat Hobbs on dark in 12 seconds with the Orange Punch and also uh, reminded us that Orange Cassidy got wrecked in that ladder match. He came out with taped up ribs as well. Match starts as an immediate callback to that flash orange punch that they did, but uh, Hobbs gets out of the way. Uh, he hits a spine buster very early on, gets a near fall off the back of it. They brawl out to the floor. Uh, he's going after the injured back and ribs of Orange Cassidy. And Matt Hardy is very pleased to be watching this from the crowd. Uh, Orange Cassidy, he's getting outpowered. He's getting chucked all over the place by Hobbs. Uh, he tries to reverse numerous moves. He uh, tries to reverse a suplex with a spinning DDT, but Hobbs just blocks it and clotheslines his head off. Um, when we come back from the picture-in-picture break, uh, Cassidy again tries something to, to get some separation, goes for a crossbody off the top, but Hobbs just catches him and puts him in the torture rack, which I thought looked great. Cassidy, though, breaking free with elbows. He gets a near fall off the small package. Uh, Hobbs is battering Cassidy in the corner and then starts arguing with the referee. He even picks up the referee at one point and moves him to another corner. Um, Hook jumps up on the apron to try and calm him down. But in all this confusion, Cassidy rolls up Hobbs. He puts him in the mousetrap and he steals one hamper and dives out to the ramp to celebrate. We would bury WWE for doing this, so we have to do the same for AEW. Yeah, I don't like seeing that happen. Um, one of my least favorite visuals is a slide out to the ramp. Can't believe I got away with it. Um, not least from the Orange Cassidy character is diametrically opposed to that kind of win. Um, yeah, the finish wasn't wasn't great. Um, it, I dare say, I don't want to speak for Sidgwick, but if he was here, I, I would like to think maybe one of the arguments would be that WWE poisoning the well as they have over the years have made winning with a wrestling move seem not altogether there. Um, I'm reminded of, was it Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton where he yep. didn't beat him with the Claymore? So Randy was like, well, I've got to have a rematch. Didn't beat him with the SummerSlam last year, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Like that one sort of sticks out. So there's nothing inherently wrong with winning with a wrestling move, a wrestling hold, a pinfall, but it's absolutely how you present it. And it was presented here as a little bit of a steel one, and we you just you don't want to see it. It's a bad habit to make. Um, win with the hold and then own that, you know. Um, Orange Cassidy was facing this man mountain, and he was able to trap him in a pinfall. Like, let that be the story, not the, oh, just got away with it, right, I'm running away now, job done. I, and it makes Hobbs look crap as well, because it doesn't matter that he ragdolled him for most of this match. He got beat, so I don't remember all the stuff, the cool stuff that he did. And he should be doing better because Hobbs is a monster and should be booked as such, in my opinion, but still. Well, it's funny you say that, right? Because I sort of felt a little bit, and I've had this problem with Orange Cassidy matches in the past. I don't know if the nature of his character is such that it constantly allows you to get maybe excited, I guess overexcited, about what could happen over the course of an Orange Cassidy match. You feel like you see who he's positioned against. And so often we look at an opponent and we imagine the various creative ways they can play with the Orange Cassidy character. We're already probably both doing it, thinking of the inevitable John Moxley match. Hmm. Like I was thinking of that the second that he was over Wheelie Uta's beaten body. 
mm-hmm. you know, the other week, I, like straight away, I was like, right, I've just been shown Orange Cassidy versus John Moxley. I'm going to start thinking of all the cool things that are going to happen in an Orange Cassidy John Moxley match. This was, and this is not the first time with Cassidy, this was too plain for its own good. Mm. Look at Orange Cassidy and you look at Will Hobbs and you get rightfully excited about the, the potential of the things they can do with it. And outside of the orange punch callback and uh, uh, Remsburg, Bryce Remsburg getting physically removed from the theatre of conflict by Will Hobbs, this was extremely run of the mill. Mm. It was it was good wrestling, but to use another sort of comparison that you make, that if something happens on Raw, you often get quite a lot of good wrestling in WWE. Mm. NXT, NXT, old NXT specifically was the place where good wrestling happened. But how much did you really want to watch it when there was nothing that maybe inspired you? I just thought this was a little, a little bit phoned in, maybe. That's fair. Um, and you know, Sid isn't here, like you say. We should explain he's uh, he's off working on his project, which is getting very close to completion. So he unfortunately can't join us for uh, all of our reviews and previews in the coming weeks. But I know he adored Pack versus Andrade in the main event. But I think even he would hold his hands up here and say. Like this was a very forgettable match, like you say. And just not, um, I guess, becoming of, and it's a, ultimately all of this sort of, when we're criticising a match like this, it's an underlying compliment of AEW that even for the standard television matches, mm. you look at the pairings and you get excited about what they might offer. You think about the various storyline implications. So, Like this really was, it didn't live up to what they've set as their bar. And you no. really should, like if they, they've set the bar high, good, keep it there and constantly strive towards that. Uh, so out comes uh, Penta and Alex Abrahantes for an interview with Tony Schiavone. No, uh, Ray Phoenix, he was injured uh, by getting that incredible. I still love it. Ray Phoenix, are you going to do some flippy stuff off the top row? Oh, twat you with this belt. Yeah, no wonder he's not there this <laughs> week. Um, so they're, they're, doing a, they're doing a promo or about to do a promo. And then they spot two guys in green Super Frogs masks in the crowd. And Penta dies out thinking, oh, it's FTR. Uh, and the, the guys, whoever they are wearing the masks, are doing the Zero Miedo thing, which you think, yeah, that's exactly what Dax and Cash would be doing if they were trying to pretend to be, oh, huge fans of these, uh, these Lucha Bros guys. Uh, so Penta unmasks these people. Oh, problematic, all that. But no, uh, it's not them. It's just two guys. And then suddenly they get jumped from behind uh, and uh, FTR particularly target and layout. Alex Abrahantes, Penta's out on the floor as well. Tony Blanchard uh, as uh, Aiden in this sneak attack too. And then they dive in the ring and hold up not just their AAA belts, the uh, tag title belts, but also the Lucha Bros' AW World Tag Title belts as well before Pac runs out to make the save for his pals. What did you think of this? Fine. They're, they're working the build to the Lucha Bros and FTR for full gear. And I like that um, by featuring them across Rampage and Dynamite now, this is absolutely not the, oh, a team has won 12 matches on Dark and Dark Elevation, they're getting the title shot. It's making the belts and the Lucha Brothers as champions feel a little bit more important. It's me. There's, there's going to be a story going into full gear. I don't think it's going to be the hottest thing. It might be on the night, but I don't think it's going to feel like the hottest thing going in um, because these angles are just not, um, they're not ever really stealing the show. Mm. It's it, it's aggressively fine. And I also think, um, I wonder, you know, sometimes, you know, Alex Abrahantes, I know like you're always a very big fan of the act and the kind of the, the, mm. the, the interpreter thing in general is a pretty cool bit between them. But I often think sometimes you look at a performer and you think, I wonder if they're like really liked 
backstage. I wonder if when like Alex Abrahantis gets to work, everybody's really, hey, it's Alex, and they're really happy to see him. Hey, and the AA's here, sort of thing. Yeah, like that, that sort of translates onto the screen where he's, you know, he's got friends in the company that are just, they want to, they see this guy and they're like, he's the funniest guy. Let's send him out there, jump around all crazy like with Penta and Phoenix. And then if we need to get some heat, we'll beat up Alex Abrahantis. It's like, the thing is, I don't go to work with Alex Abrahantis and I don't have this huge amount of sympathy for him. I kind of remember him as this arsehole interpreter that I really enjoyed. So he's not, it's not like they've just, like Darby Allen and Sting to talk about other shows. They've managed to get heat on both of them by beating them both up because mm. the fans are so sympathetic to both of them. I, I don't think Alex Abrahantis is that guy. Yeah. I was just like, oh, it's quite fun watching him getting chucked about, actually. So they've maybe missed the mark slightly there. Um, but, you know, they're working the story. I'm just not hugely invested. Um, the match, I think, will go in with very measured expectations, so it might be a bit of a sleeper hit at full mm. gear. I really like the revamped FTR. I think they should win the tag titles at full gear. Ooh, I think this story help. should be told. It's a really straightforward story, and we've seen it a million times with them across uh, AEW and NXT of FTR beating the opposition because the opposition get too emotional. You know, they've attacked not just the Lucha Bros, but their, their translator. And they just keep sneak attacking them. And when finally Lucha Bros get in there, they're going to go for something mad and flippy and all that. And FTR are just going to do a sneaky little tag out and then go, congratulations, you just hit a twisting 10-20 bloody splash on the illegal man. So see you later. Bye, big rig, one, two, three. That's what I'd like to see. Either that. Or maybe I just love this more than I possibly should have for the Fear the Rest Hold t-shirt that FTR have now, which I adore. Well, it's like Fear the Rest Hold's great because I think like they anytime that they want to bat back criticisms about some of their like, and it's a really, really direct one as well. They know that people have been critical about some of the first halves of their matches, and the fans seem to go quiet for it. And it's like, where's that NXT magic that we all remember? They they hear all that, you know, they're they're listening to this right now. Hi guys, like we love a lot of your work. Um, so why not why not make that t-shirt? Why not enjoy that a little bit? Um, I don't mind the picture about them. They'd be the first two-time tag team champions, wouldn't they? Yeah. Like I thought that's a that's a kind of a thing to say to re-establish you as the as the top dogs as well. So I honestly don't mind um taking the belts. AW thus far, unless I'm gonna be proven wrong with a very, very obvious example, other than John Moxley, it's not like babyface championship wins are more about the journey. Sorry about the destination and the journey yeah. and what happens afterwards. So it's not the end of the world if the Lucha Brothers lose the tag titles at this at this juncture. It's not like it's their first defence. They've just lost on the night. So maybe, maybe. Um, as I say, I'm not so sure that they'll get there with the heat for before the pay-per-view, but it might allow them to wrestle with a bit less pressure on them mm. and it might really knock it out of the park on the night as a result. Well, let's talk about what came next because this was a sort of match of two halves for me here. Anna Jay versus Britt Baker, non-title. Uh, Britt Baker's, of course, got uh, Reba, uh, Rebel and uh, Jamie Hayer at ringside for her. And I thought this was a really good showcase of the incredible developments that Anna Jay has made when you think about exactly how many matches she's had and the fact she's been away with an injury. I thought they worked really well. Well, I'll get to why this really wound me up because... Uh, yeah, they 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 go at each other early on, back and forth. They uh, both go for submissions, but they get out of it. 
Jay uh, catches Baker with a flat liner, goes to the Koji clutch, but Baker escapes. And then Baker takes control by using a hair pull, winking at the cameras. Only she can, always finding that camera brilliantly. Um, Baker then hits Jay with a sling blade, twisting neck breaker. She gets a near fall off that, and then she gets the glove from Rebel. Uh, but as she turns back, Jay catches her with a DDT and a sliding drop kick for a near fall. She goes for the sleeper hole, but Baker gets to the ropes then. Nice exchange of crucifixes for some near falls, and Jay gets the sleeper on Baker. Hater jumps up on the apron, uh, and Jay uh, almost gets pinned as Baker rolls her up off that distraction. But then Jay super kicks Hater to the floor and gets... Britt Baker in the sleeper again. Break has to scratch and claw and just manages to get herself to the ropes. Snaps Jay's neck against the middle rope. She gets Jay with a super kick, puts her in the lockjaw, hand in the mouth, gets the submission victory via a little bit of help from ringside, of course. And then it's the end of literally every Tay J match I have seen for about two God damn months. So they just forget to replace this in the planning of this show. Every goddamn week, whether it's Britt Baker that they're facing, whether it's Penelope Ford, whether it's the Bunny, whatever happens, win, lose, or draw, guess what? We've got to have a post-match attack on either Anna Jay or Tay Conti, and the other one has to make save, or both of them get laid out. Oh my God, I feel like I'm living Groundhog Day with this hamlet. I don't know why this wound me up so much. But it really did. Take on, he ran out to make the save and you had a nice spot of her chasing off Baker and holding up her title, teasing a potential match down the line. But it's the same thing week after week. No, I like, I think maybe you're as cross as you are because it's like yet another example of like everything in the women's division continues to feel like an afterthought. Like we're going to talk on another review about a pretty cool tournament like the match itself is by the by but the very idea of the tournament and like the way they've laid it out and like the things that potentially to come from yeah, that we'll talk, very, we'll talk about that in a second because they reveal it here so we'll talk about that yeah i lo- really like that but oh my god but it's so this yeah you're right this running save pose routine it's so low effort isn't it like you can feel how sort of like how little energy this gets in creative meetings. And if it does get, if that's, if I've completely misread that situation, then where's the time being spent? Because as you say, it's just rinse and repeat and rinse and repeat. And on the, um, in the run up to this match, I, I was asking I think you and Sidgwick, cause I, I felt a bit, little bit out of the loop with all of this. And I think something I asked was, will, is, is this just to exist so that take on, you can get the title shot. And it's, that's sort of where we're going as mm. well. There wasn't particularly an angle to build up to this. The aftermath feels very played out already. She's not in the tourney. Sorry? She's not in the tourney. No, the the pay-per-view match doesn't feel like it's going to be super hot. They've got time to get there, I guess. And it's all all of this is to say it's a particular shame when the match is as good as it was, because I thought this match was tremendous. Yeah. I thought it was really, really good. Um, We always are at pains to say just how, you know, the, the wrestlers need reps and things like that. Anna Jay has not had that many matches full stop, let alone getting reps. So you could say that you could argue that this was a Britt Baker, like ring general carry job from her. I don't think it was, but if that's what you're saying, then awesome. Cause that just shows like how much Britt Baker has grown into this role already as somebody that can, that can do this for somebody rather than needing somebody in there. That's more experienced to hold a hand. Cause 
I thought Britt Baker was fantastic here. I feel like we should have been keeping a running tally of the amount of times there's been Bret Hart teasers in AEW because so many have gone now that it's oh, yeah. too late to start. But the kick out, the turnbuckle yeah, yeah. out there was yet another one um, for inevitably when he comes in to present Hangman Page with a title like he wanted to two years ago. I can't wait for that, by the way. Um, Either him or Jack Whitehall, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, one or the other. Same, same. Like they're both excellent. <laughs> you know, I was gonna say I was gonna make a really awful line about Jack Whitehall. He's done nothing to me. I just don't like him. Um, yeah, match was really good. Really, really good. Anna Jay um is possibly a little bit underrated in singles matches because they like the TJ team so much. And I do understand why that is. Mm-hmm. And Tay Conti feels like the more pressing singles prospect. Mm-hmm. So getting Anna Jay for 10 minutes here was a delight. I think she works so well as a babyface that I understand why once upon a time she came in with that star attraction gimmick. Um, It's it's almost worked out well that she's a working Mm. babyface instead of what would have been planned as this heel because I think there's limitless potential there. Match was really good. Couldn't agree with you more on how played out the rest of it feels. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago... If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash boast. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Let's talk about this TBS tournament then and the the brackets for it because they got announced immediately after this. Uh, It's slightly complicated. You've got first round matches and then people who are getting buys to the next round. So I'll try and run through it so people can see where it's going. It started the next night on Dynamite. You've got Thunder Rosa. She gets a bye, quite rightly. She will face the winner of Anna Jay versus Jamie Hayter, which I, again, suppose was set up here. Jade Cargill uh, also gets a bye. She'll face the winner of the Bunny versus Red Velvet. Oh, Jade Cargill versus Red Velvet. Yes, please. 
rerun that one. Uh, Nyla Rose, again, quite rightly gets a bye, and she will face the winner of Serena D versus Hikaru Shida that's going to go down on Dynamite this week, if I'm not mistaken. And Chris Statlander faces, uh, also gets a bye and faces the winner of Penelope Ford versus Ruby Soho, which went down on Dynamite, which we'll discuss on the Dynamite review a little bit later on today. But... We discussed this tournament in advance. We suggested potential matches. And I think I really like the look of almost all these. Yeah. Um, there's so much to like about this tournament. Um, where to start with it? So the let's do the, as you pointed out, it is a little bit complicated at first. Let's do the buys thing. So the buy is based on the rankings in AW currently have take on E as the number one ranking, thus you know, position to fight Britt Baker at the next mm-hmm. pay-per-view. Yeah. And number two is Jade Cargill. Number three is Chris Statlander. Number four is Thunder Rosa. Number four is Nyla Ro- uh, Five and number Rose. Okay. So for the most part, the boys have played into the rankings. Like if you're already kind of there or thereabouts in title contention, you've been given a bit of a, a bit of a sort of nudge in this tournament. I love that so mm. much because it was the, it felt, I'm sure it wasn't, but it felt like an immediate way to back back the criticisms of the men's title tournament. Yeah, how they managed to get there. I know, and I, you know, I, there's some good potential setups in this eliminated tournament on the men's side of things. But let's be honest, we always assume that the men's thing is far more prioritized than women's in AEW. And yet they've yeah. nailed this tournament and the eliminated tournament, everyone went, uh, all right, I suppose. You've got matches that you've basically had to do loads of work in your head for because you know the combinations will be fun and you know the spin-offs will be interesting and you know that John Moxley's going to butcher 10 and things like that and it's just, there's reasons why those matches exist beyond the rankings but this is like it's really loyal to the rankings which is absolutely tremendous uh something we we're all hoping for was for the um at least on paper you know they've, they've got to deliver uh, and more on the dynamite review later on that but you set up a series of pairings where hopefully the matches are just really hot and really good. Yeah. This tournament is remembered for a series of great matches. And this tournament was given every chance to succeed on those terms. Um, it helps that we've got just this disaster Queen's Crown thing as an immediate comparison. Something so recent that's in our mind of these matches that were all throwaway and pointless. Um, for a prize that remains to be seen, if it'll even have any value, this is for a new championship. The rankings have factored in. The remaining matches are all pretty enticing combinations and the route in which you can plot every different woman's like journey to the final offers banger after banger after Mm -hmm. banger there are very few combinations here where the matches aren't like intoxicating and we're critical enough of the aw women's division so i'm going to give it a little bit of praise here for all that the matches never feel profiled enough for the storylines not feeling like enough work's been done at them maybe just maybe they deserve a tiny bit of credit for their ability to get individual characters over Mm. because you uh, sort of licked your lips at the prospect of Jade Cargill versus Red Velvet one more time. That's a rematch, by the way. But we know these characters and we understand these motivations. So credit to them at least that every single character in this bracket feels well-drawn enough as a performer that you look forward to all the various different permutations. Great. Really, really great. And I can't call the final. You know, I, I can guess, I can say maybe we're going to get, I don't know, let's just say Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa. I think they're on either sides of the bracket, possibly. I might have just messed that one up. But regardless, you could easily see that. But just because, you know, you've got um, 
Thunder Rosa in the next round doesn't mean Jamie Hayter automatically defeats Anna Jay. Anna Jay versus Thunder Rosa could be a very intriguing concept, uh, context, uh, concept even uh, as well. So, yeah, uh, I'm really excited for this. I think they've done really well, and I love the buy system too. Right, before we get to the main event, it's the face-to-face -face segment. I've got to say, oh, it's a good job that... Uh, that I have to review this for my job and also that I'd heard the main event was mint because I almost rage quit when we didn't get Mark Henry doing it. What the hell? Tony Schiavone, I love you, <laughs> but what are you doing here? Uh, there's a back and forth between Andrade. Andrade promises to win again tonight uh, and says he's got friends around the world. There's a little breadcrumb for you. Uh, and Pac says, you only beat me last time because of taser bollocks and iPad shots and what have you. It should have been settled weeks ago. Now it's time to settle this man-to-man. -man. Well... It seemed like there's been enough talk. It's time for the main event. That's what we could have got. We got Tony saying instead, I'll take it, it doesn't matter. But let's talk Andrade El Idolo versus Pack. Another absolute classic from these two men. Personified by the first 30 seconds. Two super kicks, German suplex, and a mad old dive from Pack to the outside. Lovely stuff. Uh, he immediately recovers, goes up top the black arrow, but gets crotched on the top ropes by Andrade, who then hits or goes for a double knee in the corner, and Pack dodges it and hits a super kick. Uh, Pack gets caught with uh, a boot, Gets, goes out to the floor and Andrade hits a springing, springing, springboard splancher man <laughs> out there as we go into the break. We come back, Andrade is hitting the three amigos to a huge Eddie chant, of course. Uh, Pack is slumped against the ropes and Elido goes for that uh, slingshot drop kick, but Pack moves out of the way and Andrade just crashes and burns. <laughs> Nasty bump, this horrible, just wincing at home, me watching this. Um, Pack uh, goes for a, a hurricane runner on the outside, which sends Andrade back first into the edge <laughs> of the air as well, as if things couldn't have got any worse. But then Pack comes off the top with a brilliant moonsault, and we get a fight forever chant. And I think, yeah, I'd be okay with that. Uh, Pack gets another near fall from a slingshot cutter. He goes to the brutalizer, but Andrade desperately gets to the ropes before he could properly lock it in. They're fine on the apron. Andrade sends Pack back first into it via an inverted DDT sort of thing. Uh, he goes to that slingshot DDT. Um, both men again just each and just crash to the floor. Uh, El Idolo goes up top for a moonsault, gets crotched by Pack, and then Pack hits what we think is going to be a superplex and then reveals to be a top rope avalanche brain buster for just a two count. Pack hits a super kick, Poison Rana, Alidolo counters with that. Oh, I love it. Every time it pops me, that's back elbow where he goes for a kick and the bloke blocks it and he just goes, how about an elbow instead then? <laughs> um, both go for pins. Uh, Andrade goes for that hatlock DDT of his, but Pack counters with a cradle and gets the pinfall, but before he can even celebrate, the lights go out and Malachi Black, of all people, shows up. He spits mist in Pac's face. He goes to get a chair from under the ring. There's this weird alliance between Andrade and Malachi, uh, but before they can do anything to kill Pac any further, out comes armed Anderson. He makes the gun symbol towards Black, towards Andrade, and Cody Rhodes comes in to, to be fair, a huge bap, and uh, he hits that spinning power slam on Black, grabs the chair, 
but Malachi Black dives out of the ring in amongst all this. First of all, your thoughts on a brilliant match, though, Hamlet? Absolutely tremendous. Um, Pac and Andrade are like, and it's obviously that they get to play with this, but the psychology, they've looked at one another and what they know about each other is that, oh, hang on, he's as jacked as I am. He can fly like I can. And his punches and kicks are to be feared, mm-hmm. just like mine. They both know this about each other. So they can't work a body part. You know, this can't be a sort of thing where one wrestler A knows that wrestler B's got a bit of a dodgy knee or can like can target the shoulder or something like that. They can't, um, you can't have a, a Darby Allen CM Punk type thing where the veteran's got to slow it down and the younger guy wants to try and speed it up or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Instead, these two men are basically tasked with just trying to break the other person's body the quickest way possible. <laughs> so they both know that there is basically, like all better off. You can't prepare for move A, move B and move C because both men know that nothing's off limits. <laughs> their, ars- their arsenals are limitless. That's what these matches are, desi- are like uh, structured to show you is that their arsenals are limitless. And then we just get to watch that play out, basically. So, they, they, and I'm glad you sort of drew on it as well. To do the back first in the rail spot so soon after landing as awfully as he did, suddenly you get into Pac's head and you're like, oh, I'll break his back then. <laughs> like, no, no, that's the answer. I'll break his back. Like, a man can't beat me with a broken back. Cool, right, we're off to the races with that. And then Andrade is like, he's going to break my back. I'm going to have to hit him harder than I've ever hit anybody in my entire life. <laughs> oh, right, my face is in a million pieces now because this guy back elbows harder than any punch I've ever absorbed. Like, they are just both... I think I've used this analogy before. Um, if you're a child of the 80s in the United Kingdom, as uh, 80s and 90s, I guess, that both myself and Adam Wilborn are, mm-hmm. you will remember the awesome CITV show Nightmare, where a character's health was reflected by a body literally falling apart. Bits of skull falling off a, a young child's head. It was an animation. It wasn't the actual kid. But you would see it. Like, and like the, the host would be like, quick, you must get some bread to replenish your health. Otherwise, like, <laughs> bits of the body would literally fall away. That is the strategy that Packer Andrade must, <laughs> was like, must lay out ahead of a match. And then, yeah, and then they have it. And I just love watching it. Um, like, we're going to get the the, tril- the third match of the trilogy, presumably at the pay-per-view. Um, lottery matches kicking around in AW at the moment, but the trick is obviously making it a one that you want to see rather than a one that feels like a formula played out. Mm. And going into the second match, I felt like the formula was played out. Going into the third one, I want more of it. So this has to be an objective success, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, a total frightening banger between two men that need to pull each other's limbs off to win. I will absolutely take some more of this. Uh, on a paid stage. So that's the match box stuff, isn't it? Yes. Really. I, I, I just, um, it's like, wow, what a great match. And then I just was like, what? What? I know he's got friends all over the world, but when's this friendship between Andrade and Malachi <laughs> formed? And uh, is this just a cheap way to be like, don't forget we're on tomorrow night as well? Friends all over the world, including the Netherlands. Uh, apparently. <laughs> No, um, I mean, as just to sort of peek behind the curtain for people here, so this was obviously um, Rampage on a Friday. Me and you are recording this on a Saturday. We've come into work Saturday morning, first thing, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, <laughs> and seeing um, Cody come out and finally get that baby face response 
and get the advantage over Black before their match tomorrow night, like gives me nothing, nothing to worry about about the Dynamite match. We were thinking, really, Cody really reading the room because he's getting booed a lot at the moment, and I don't think people are going to like it if he wins. But seeing this response and seeing him get the last advantage, we know what the last advantage means. Yeah, we know yeah, that yeah, yeah. We all know where this is going. Not well for him, and the fans are back on his side. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't see any issues with this. Yeah, no, like we'll we'll get to Dynamite later, but they, like. If nothing else, let's let's move away from that for just a second. Like I thought this was a little bit too busy. And if anything, it sort of took it like took away. Yeah. So you weren't very TNA, you weren't given very long to soak in what you just seen because it was all like a little bit too frantic. Um and look, there's a there's a a real fine line between frantic being really cool and energized and something that we love about dynamite mm-hmm. and things not being given the time to register and uh, like this, this was unfortunately the latter for me. I don't I think the match all the time it deserved to register because it was straight on to the next thing, and the next thing was so weird. It was like I don't know, like who had, who had um, the mist to the face of Pack and Armed Anderson being where this would all end up, and I just that was it was like it was all very busy, and I think that maybe they overreached a little bit here. Yes, exactly. Cody stands tall. Malachi like dives out of the ring away from me chair wielding Cody to sell us on dynamite. But yeah, it just I just thought it really took away from, you know, Pac leveling up this series. And it was just like, yeah, but what about all this other stuff? And I was like, uh, I don't know, all these it was just a complete lack of connection between the two things, wasn't it? it was shoving <laughs> two things together. Uh, that's it you say like all it all it kind of takes is a man to stand in the ring and you can see that they're like trying to open the universe up and create the next feuds and stuff. But it is very much a case of uh, now here's the young bucks. Why? Why? Like they've just they've picked our feud and thought, right, we can tack one thing onto another. It's gonna be great in three months when a lot of these characters have started to overlap, but it being shown to you in this way felt quite forced. Yeah, a sort of an ominous warning ahead of dynamite, and we'll get more into that as we discuss it on the dynamite review and Oh, God, I can't believe I'm about to say this. The law of Malachi Black beginning. <laughs> Yikes. Mm. Join us for the Dynamite review for that. I'll be out in just a few hours' time, though. And let us know your thoughts on AEW Rampage and everything we've discussed on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, watch say You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to WhatCultureWrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. The SmackDown review is available right now. And the Dynamite review, as well as the preview ahead of Monday Night Raw, is coming later on today. But for now, this has been the AEW Rampage review. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.